Hi, and welcome to The Leadership Blog, a podcast that explores and celebrates modern, authentic leadership. This is Victoria Roth. Every week, I'm talking to inspiring leaders from all walks of life about their story, their journey, and how they created what they have. Every Monday, I'm also putting out a five-minute Monday mindset, focusing on an important topic or question and getting into a good frame of mind for the week ahead. So, welcome. And if you're here, it may be for one of two reasons. Either you are already in a leadership position and keen to explore what leadership really means so you can be more effective in your role, or you have leadership goals and you want to step up and do something different in your life, but you just need a little guidance inspiration to get there. In any case, my intention with this podcast is to redefine leadership as something that has nothing to do with titles, team size, or pay package. It's not the ability to hire and fire, and it's not about any kind of rank. Leadership is a mindset. Its essence is the desire to make an impact and a difference in the world. Now, we can all make an impact and a difference in the world, but most of us feel stuck, doubting whether we are ready and waiting for permission. I invite you not to wait. If you want to learn what leadership really means from incredible people that have just decided to step up and be the change they want to see in the world, then stick around. This podcast is for you. My guest today is Prathima Manohar. She's an architect and founder of The Urban Vision, a think-do tank for transforming the cities and spaces in which we live. In this episode, we talk about starting big conversations, how to reach influential people that can support your vision, and how to keep going, no matter what the odds. Well, it's wonderful to talk to you. Many thanks for being here. Prathima Manohar, um, the founder of Urban Vision, architect, consultant, visionary. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. So you have a very interesting and I would say diverse background with your education and with your work experience. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Victoria, it's so nice to be here with you to talk about future of leadership. And um, yeah, I'd love to kind of share my journey over the last couple of decades. And I think um, we should start from the you know time I was in school where I know I love to experiment and, you know, do a diverse set of things from uh, I remember being in architecture school which was um, you know I was in architecture school in uh, 2000 that's when I started my architecture school it was a five-year program and you know the world at that point in time in India as you know we are all you know the we have tiger moms <laughs> who all <laughs> want us to be in engineering schools or go to medical school um, and I remember we were at the peak IT boom at that point in time and everybody in my neighborhood, in my class, uh, wanted to go and get a computer science degree. And uh, I had got an admission into uh, going into um, engineering in IT and computer as well, but I chose to do uh, architecture at that point in time, which was a big kind of debate. Uh, within not just the family, but also the extended community of friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I loved, I loved the idea of architecture, which was, you know, bringing the world of science, engineering, and creativity and the arts together. 
Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I was convinced I was on the right path as soon as I went into architecture school because I loved the various facets of that world, uh, you know, where you have to think about social issues. Um, you really can um, dig deep into creative world and the arts and uh, still think about economy and engineering. So I really loved and Five during my five years of uh, architecture program, but I also started to experiment with journalism while I was at school. I uh, thought uh, daily that we had, I mean, all the newspapers that we had at that point in time never covered issues to do with built environment or urban development or uh, infrastructure. So I actually went to uh, the editor of one of the biggest newspapers at that point in time, asking them why they were not writing about these issues because they're so crucial to our like daily life, our well-being, and even our economy. So uh, I got myself a freelance jig at that point in time with the Times of India. I didn't realize uh, that would like really open my world to uh, an amazing group of experts and visionaries. I got to meet such amazing people during that time. And I I really think that was the foundation to my uh, long-term career because uh, really allowed you to explore uh, different people's lives and uh, for architecture and urban planning. And it, you know, it really gave me that platform to engage with the world as a student of architecture. And post uh, architecture as well. I, I followed this very diverse kind of career trajectory. While I did practice architecture and um, spent some time in an architectural practice, I focused a ton on policy issues uh, around urbanism. And at that point in time, urban planning or urban infrastructure did not get a kind of uh, tension that it does at this point in time where crucial to the future of the world or the sustainable development goals. Uh, so it was very early days, but I really was able to engage in the policy making community because the architect that I was working with um, did engage a lot with political leadership. So I would be able to put together these research pieces um, around uh, policy issues like housing or public space or mobility. So I was uh, learning by doing at that point in time. And uh, I continued my work around journalism, uh, moved, did a bit of broadcast media as well, documentaries around uh, issues facing India. Um, I remember doing one around uh, the biggest slums and how it was being rehabilitated. Uh, you know, things like that, which were super fun. And I got to, uh, through that work, also engage with leadership. Um, I remember being put in uh, front of like Ratan Tata, who's, who was at that point in time leading the Tata conglomerate and, you know, running the biggest business in the country. So it really gave me a lot of opportunities to engage with leadership from the economic and the political world. and. Uh, mm. Yeah, it was not planned, but I I learned so many skills by doing this. And um, 
I was a master of some and jack of all <laughs> to try to do all of these things. Uh, you know, I probably only had one cameraman with me for those interviews and would often sit with my editor and edit things myself. So I learned a lot and I picked up skills myself. And I, I, I'd say that I just followed my heart. I don't think I thought about long-term career or where I would go, what my five-year plan is. I never thought about money, for example, just pursued my heart and my passion. And I loved what I, uh, uh, you know, what I was doing. So one of my uh, friends of, used to always tell me, your productivity is very high when you're in love with do, doing what you do. And if you don't have passion for something that you're doing, you really can't do it well. So, uh, yeah, I think that's been my story forever. Like, I really have to be to and passionate about what I'm doing and I'm automatically productive and I can be working on it all the time yeah. but if, uh, it's been it's been a fun um, 15 years after graduating from architecture school where I've pursued my passions and you've combined architecture with with the media with the interviewing with other areas as well and I think it's inspiring too I mean, why why just focus on one thing if you have passion in, in many different areas, you know, why not pursue that and combine that as you've done so beautifully? It's, it's interesting because your journey was kind of like a combination of a bit of, I imagine, fortune, because essentially what you've described is, you know, you just kind of wrote to the times of India and said, uh, I want to talk about this. <laughs> you know, how, what do you encourage to take that step? You know, because not a lot of... And they said, why don't you do it? And that put me in a spot. Remember... <laughs> I remember really working hard on that first piece that I wrote about architecture and its social impact. I think that was my first story. And uh, I remember working it for weeks, deliver the fi fi uh, final, uh, you know, thousand word copy. And uh, yeah, I think it was just literally about following my heart and learning by doing. Uh, so it's... yeah. Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> and you feel like people were quite responsive to you when you saw that passion in you to give you opportunities? Yes, I think, you know, the first step to achieving anything is asking. Sometimes it feels like a moonshot idea when you start. But really, it's you just have to move towards it. Maybe, you know, ask a few people and you know, someone will say yes. At that point in time, they took a chance on a who was in architecture school I was in second year architecture school so <laughs> uh, you know sometimes it works out and you know I, I think it's it's always about time you know it's always about it's about the road to the you know peak right it's not just it's not just uh, reaching that goal it's it's the journey of uh, finding yourself keeping yourself with new skills that is uh, so amazing because I think all of the, you know, it didn't look like a plan when I was doing it. And I was, I, I remember uh, people thinking, what, you know, what is she doing? She's all over the place. She's doing media and she's doing public policy. And, you know, she suddenly has an architectural project that she's working on. It seems all over the place. And it's maybe it does seem uh, all over the place even now, but, you know, doing things really gives you skill and, you know, Asking someone and reaching out to people, um, you know, is the first step 
doing, you know, things done. And I developed such amazing group of mentors and supporters through that, literally by cold calling and they've become lifelong friends. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It is something that you just have to try. Right. And I think we're so obsessed with having a plan or we're so obsessed with developing an area of expertise, you know, and really sort of putting ourselves into a niche or some will call it a pigeonhole. Right. And say, like, this is what we're about. This is what we do. Um, but absolutely, like if you just diversify yourself, your skills that can only be of benefit to you. Did you feel like there were any challenges when you were doing this? I mean, I know you said that people we're sort of questioning your focus and where you are applying yourself. But what about the family? Because, you know, you mentioned tiger moms at the beginning. Did you feel like your family were perhaps also wondering, you know, what is Pratima going to do with her life? No, I think I'd always, I always say that my dad was the biggest influence for me. And he really allowed me to try different things and encouraged me to, you know, really... Um, follow my heart, my passions, and do well. Like he, he want, you know, he, he would be very keen that we excel in whatever we do. Um, and you know, I really had that bubble uh, from which I could function and really follow my heart. And um, I also come from a family. My father was an entrepreneur himself and he, uh, you know, his kind of, uh, entrepreneurial uh, journey was also, you know, was very pioneering. He actually came to a tiny village where I am right now. It's a beach town and built an ecosystem of hospitality project. And, you know, we didn't, you know, so their stories existed uh, within the family and, the, you know, he, it was not, I was uh, a vanguard or like I started something on my own. Uh, there was a culture of entrepreneurship within the family and uh, I'd seen my other you know passionately follow his heart and I have to say entrepreneurship is not all glamour actually most of the time um, the exact opposite thing that you need is passion 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 you know if you are passionate about what you do you make things happen um, they, and it's uh, you, and you really need that passion to go through the tough days, right? It's being an entrepreneur is not really a decision, right? It's it's in your blood or it is not. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, what have, your, uh, what have been some of your dark days? Um, I mean, you know, as like any other, so I set up the Urban Vision um, in um, uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Mm -hmm. And um, it was really a moonshot idea. I remember speaking about it to two of my mentors and they thought it was crazy moon, you know, thing to do at that point in time when I had a very kind of clear career trajectory. I'd actually got an offer to lead a big development project myself and was really young at that point in time. And to make a decision to start something of my own um, seemed a bit crazy to everybody around. But I really thought there was a need for a platform like the Urban Vision at that point in time. Uh, I, you know, so philosophically, we, I thought we were at such an important cusp in our history. You know, um, we were almost an urban species at that time. 50% of the world lived in cities. And the way we built 
Socrates was crucial to the future of human civilization. You know, your, I always say your ecological footprint, your quality of life and your happiness is embedded in the way a city is built. So it was such a crucial agenda to focus on, especially given that India was going to literally move from being a, a a place full of villages where most of India still lives in villages and you are going to add you know 600 million people into our cities in the next three or four decades that's a huge transformation for our world and at the urban vision we wanted to put a spotlight on such ideas right like ideas that can make cities work for you for a a more economically thriving society for a more inclusive world for a happier healthier world so at that point in time, I thought it was a no-brainer that there had to be an organization like that. And, uh, you know, we, um, we did a ton of communication at that point in time, highlighting thought leaders and visionaries around their um, city-building practices. And um, post that, we've also been, we've also worked on getting community movements around better city-building and sustainable development um you know by also by using technology and stuff like that so there's been a ton of experiments and there have been some things that have failed and some things that have survived and thrived uh and it's not been easy to you know you know visioning something and trying to make it work and sometimes it doesn't um but i'm happy that over the last couple of you know decade or so we've at least made it into an institution that thrives I wanted to exist even if I don't, right? Like I think our uh, most important function is not just to create, but to create a platform that becomes an institution on its own. And it's, um, I don't think it's still easy. I mean, we've gone through pretty harsh economic climates in the last decade, I think it's the last couple of years. And now we are going through this pandemic where you suddenly have to reinvent yourself. A lot of the work that we were doing on the ground, like public space improvements, that's been a big theme of our work in the last five years or so. And uh, it looks like that's not going to be, uh, you know, something that we will be able to do for quite some time uh, with this pandemic, at least for a year or so. All the construction sites are, uh, you know, open, but only for emergency stuff, right? So yeah. it's, uh, it feels like... Uh, this is such an important moment, obviously, because I think it's a moment of great reset because the world before COVID, uh, the normal before COVID was not working for everybody. I think that's been the big theme that has emerged for me during this crisis. Um, fractures that existed in the society has been amplified and uh, I understand the importance of the themes of the work that I was doing. Um, uh, I, I almost feel it's so much more important, but we have to re, you know, we have to rethink and reinvent at this point in time, right? Like we have to think about what do we do when, um, you know, when the world is going through such a huge crisis, which obviously started as a health crisis, but quickly, uh, moving on to becoming a social and an economic crisis and um, yeah, so I think it's time to reinvent and rethink how to you know how do we work in the future how do we how to work how do we live 
How do we think about our society? So when you started Urban Vision, what did you say to yourself? You said to yourself, I am going to do what? <laughs> you know, I actually had a full, uh, I'm sure I can pick this up. I had a full blown plan of what we'll do. What are our programs going to be? Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> I remember going to uh, a few of my mentors to show it. Some of them were completely dismissive of the idea. Uh, and especially one person who I won't name, but uh, who's a huge um, you know, infrastructure developer here in India, like a really, you know, he's, he's really well known here and built some of the new, new neighborhoods here. I remember him telling me that this won't work. And uh, nice to have him as one of our biggest supporters <laughs> a decade later because he's been a big supporter of all of our uh, programs um but i think at that point in time we were really trying to fill that need and you know um the gap in vision for what future of cities should be like i said um it was the most critical agenda for us to thrive as a nation for our economic well-being and our you know, dealing with issues like climate change or poverty. And um, it was not easy. I think it's, you know, even if you did all the advocacy, you can translate it onto ground, uh, really make something of it as tough. And uh, I think in the last five or six years, we've tried to do more actionable, uh, you know, programming on ground, showcase examples of things working like improving the public space experience improving you know the pedestrian experience you know investing in the urban commons and uh, that's been that's not easy to do you think it happens very quickly but it's really tough and you have to be really you know you have you you have to be very determined you have to be patient with it uh, really push for capital to support this um there's been some successes actually people would think that this you know a lot of people who see this case study of our work which is mm-hmm. uh, you know we've had private capital support some of the public space transformation mm-hmm. uh, you know it's it sounds a bit crazy that that can happen in a place like mumbai with <laughs> with uh, you know one of the most expensive uh, real estate in the world right Mm. Um, so we've been working with uh, businesses, local governments, academia in the city uh, towards the action agenda of building better public realm and public spaces. That's been um, very, very, uh, you know, like I'm happy to mm-hmm. see something really happen on the ground in action. Yeah. And um, other than that, we've, I think, built an ecosystem of leaders who support this agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that's a very important kind of work, right? Like our leadership's finest function is to create more leaders, right? And um, that's been that's been a really satisfying outcome of this, where there's so many people now who support this agenda, yeah. who are our partners, and there's so much work to do. It's still very, very early days. Um, really, we have to constantly innovate and reinvent ourselves. Like I say, you're talking about some very big topics, right? You're you're 
the, I think, most populous country in the world. You're talking about yeah. public space. There's huge inequality between spaces, between real estate, the poor, the wealthy. You're addressing some huge issues. You're also tapping into, as you said, you know, community leaders, politics, policy. How did you start establishing all of these contacts and start talking to the relevant people that would support your vision and help change happen for you? You know, I just reached out to them. I, I think, uh, like I said, the first step is just, you know, getting it done and just doing it. Um, it can seem very overwhelming to go into a city and say, oh, you know, I need to meet the governor or I need to meet somebody from the prime minister's office. But there's always ways. And if when you have a agenda that everybody uh, agrees with, um, it's easy to bring them on board. I, I don't think, you know, I came into Mumbai from Bangalore city. And uh, uh, Mumbai is the commercial hub of the country. It's where all the biggest businesses live. It's where you know, a lot of the politicians will come and hang out in. And I didn't really know anybody in the city. I just reached out and met people and built this amazing ecosystem around me. And I, I think it, um, it's really not such a big deal as, you know, it's just literally about picking up the phone and calling them or writing them an email. And I, I still do that. Like I, we host these annual leadership summits mm-hmm. um, around the world, like uh, just to kind of showcase uh, best practices in city building. And we've uh, done it every year since 2012 2013 now and this is the first year we won't be doing it because of covid and uh, we have a set of leaders from india who participate in this and we engage with the leadership in that city the visionaries and the leadership that city uh, to to highlight how they built a more sustainable and inclusive development or a project and you know it I, we managed to engage with everybody from the mayor's office to the biggest billionaire developer or an architect in that city. And it's really about you know, reaching out. It's not like we have a big Rolodex or someone who can access to these <laughs> <laughs> things. Things are often simpler than you think. You know, yeah. you think there must be a system or there must be an access or I just, I just don't know what to do. I don't know the right things to say. But you are just dealing with people at the end of the day behind every kind of billion pound, billion dollar, billion development. It's just a person sitting there making a decision. Um, And actually, it's it's more of a level playing field than you think. If you if you know how to address things, you know, address people the right way. And also, if you have a vision that's easy to buy into. So, I mean, you obviously talk with such passion about what you want to do and you have clarity about what you're going for. And that makes it easy to communicate that to people. And help them explain yeah. why you know why you're reaching out to them, what you want to achieve. So, what are the kind of what are the kind of key goals of Urban Vision? What are the key things that you want to um, leave as a legacy? Yeah, Steve Jobs often spoke, you know, said that entrepreneurs have a reality distortion field, um, you know, which which meant, you know, having a belief system to win over the impossible. And I hope with the urban vision, we can, um, you know, highlight moonshot ideas for better living, for healthier places, uh, for more inclusive places. 
So a lot of our agenda has not just been to showcase ideas, also to action them. And actioning them is really, really hard. And it can actually make you very cynical in the process as well. You know, it was easier to uh, write about these things and write about the visions and plans and policies to achieve an inclusive world. If you actually go out there and try to do it, it's tough. But it actually is uh, hugely... Um, you know, it, it actually equips you to do better. So I, I, we, we, I hope that we can continue to um, not just put a spotlight on great ideas, but also help execute and pilot some of these agendas. And I think my, in the last couple of years, I've actually, uh, you know, I've actually uh, been interested in the larger idea of sustainable development goals. And during this pandemic, it's been even more intense. I think um, the pandemic has revealed the fractures, amplified the fractures in our society like, you know, nothing else has, right? I think it's, it's really shown us how unequal our world is. It's really put the spotlight on so many kind of fundamental challenges in our society. And I think, um, I really hope that this is a moment of great reset and I come out of this pandemic, um, you know, to move to a world where, you know, we have more capitalism with heart, um, you know, where the basis for development should be sustainable development goals. And we focus a lot more on health and well-being. And um, in the last four months of, the, uh, of this pandemic and the you know, lockdown, I've actually been hosting a series of conversations on that topic, saying, how do you come out of this better? You know, normal was not working for anybody. Um, you know, it, it, we, we need um, the end of the tunnel to be better. You know, we need to create better lives for everybody. We need to deal with the biggest challenge that we are facing as humanity, which is climate change, in a more aggressive way. Um, and I hope that, you know, in the last, like I said, in the last four months, we've been putting a spotlight on those issues through our uh, uh, live cast and programming around inclusive cities, uh, creating an, a new urban manifesto with a series called the Urban Manifesto, um, rethinking design with design disruption with the big view that you know, we need to outline a new agenda for a happier, healthier, and more livable and inclusive world. And mm -hmm. I hope that um, you know, we will highlight a lot more of that and maybe try to action it. Um, we continue to work and scale up our programming around uh, better public spaces and urban commons. Uh, I've been working on an SDG school. Um, we want to empower um, women from the weaker sections of the society with skills around sustainable living and uh, well-being. Uh, because I think it's, it's all very good to talk about the economy, which is based on that. I think you, in a way, it, it seems like a moonshot idea, but um, we're working on a pilot to empower women for a blue-green economy, like I said, yeah. and uh, create entrepreneurs and promote livelihoods around that. And 
you know, there's going to be a ton of money that will be uh, that will follow the uh, the health crisis. You you are hearing all the central banks of the world talking about unlimited QE, and you know <laughs> they will print as much money uh, post this pandemic. out of the economic crisis that we are all facing today and i hope that we use that money in the right way yeah. um, with the framework of sustainable development goals with framework of well being and inclusion and i hope we can showcase some examples of that yes to make it real practical yes. give ways that this could be done so it turns from an intention to actual action, action. that's what we want right yes. So over all of this journey and everything you've gone through how have you developed as a leader Wow <laughs> I um how I how have I developed as a leader Starting with somebody who just had passion and vision and wanting to do things and just get out there and make things happen to being in a position now where you know you're much further down that line you're talking to the right people you have a lot of influence you've actually managed to build something um that's really global that's huge that's getting a lot of people to talk about the ideas that you wanted to start conversations around you know how have you changed personally from that first phase to where you are now i think i'm more uh confident and uh um you know more comfortable in my skin i often in the early days i used to say fake it till you make it and i'd go into these meetings with really important people and you know it was no bracking to start with but uh, um you know i like you know i kind of winged it right so it's, it's i'm more comfortable um my uh, skin and i've always I've always uh, you know thought deeply about leadership and i i thought that in a way our perception of strength and leadership is skewed right i work in a very male dominated field mm. and um, you know like if i'm sitting i'm you always on a, i'm like the only woman on a panel <laughs> you know and uh, there's this view about leadership and women are often pushed to uh, act like a man and you know be very strong we are constantly told that leadership is about being aggressive cold hearted logical and not too emotional um and you know we do live in world which is often 100% boys club right uh, but i my view now is that world desperately needs uh, what is often thought to be more feminine uh, traits like empathy and vulnerability in leadership uh, you know the world is in pain right now and you need you're seeing critical leaders who are women around the world thriving this during this time because uh, you know they are more empathetic and uh, they are pursuing goals of equity happiness inclusion and environmental sustainability because they understand the consequences of not doing so uh, so i think we need uh, to you know uh, use those you know fundamental traits that we have as women which makes us more compassionate and empathetic 
and we need to start celebrating those traits of leadership and not just you know we can be aggressive and you know free and all of that as well but we should be all of those about issues like climate change and poverty and inclusion and um, it's time to rethink what uh, leadership means and i think leadership is also um it's not about creating more followers but it's about creating more leaders and that's how you build institutions um so i think i with with my team with the larger ecosystem that i work with i'm constantly you know like engaging them feel more confident about themselves and uh, you know pushing them to take on a charter beyond what they think is uh, is is their kind of ability because you know everybody can do it it's um, it's not it's really about the confidence and uh, uh, it's just about following your heart really and you can i feel like the world needs that a hope and vision at this point in time Well, I certainly feel very grateful for this conversation with Prathima. It's great to know that there are people out there that are really inspired in helping to create a better living space, a better future, a better quality of life for communities around the world and are actively doing something to make that change happen. If you want to find out more about the Urban Vision, visit theurbanvision.com. If you've enjoyed this episode and if it's been of value to you today, please hit subscribe. I'll talk to you next time.